Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Batflip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today, we are going to take a look at the shortstop position with a shortstop position preview. As I've been doing with each one of the previews, I'll be just taking a look at the uh, projection for each one of the players, where they're going in drafts, and whether they're going to bring you any value going there. Uh, kind of outline the position overall, where you might be looking uh, to, to get guys, where you may want to avoid, you know, some pockets here and there. And, and shortstop is a definitely an interesting position where I think there's a number of different uh, approaches that you can take uh, because it is it is somewhat uh, deep, at least compared to positions like second base that we've already covered. Now, today uh, is a sad day in the sense that it is the first uh, of what is sure to be many season-ending injuries uh, in fantasy baseball, uh, Salvador Perez, Sal Perez of the Royals, uh, went down, tore his ulnar collateral ligament, his UCL. He's going to get Tommy John. He's out for the year. What's particularly sad uh, for me is that I own him in TGFBI. Uh, I got him at, out of the 29 drafts, or however many drafts are taking place right now, I had him at the lowest. Uh, draft slot at, at pick 134. That's why I got him for value because I already had Gary Sanchez. So I'm in better shape than some folks because I didn't spend as high of a pick. And because I have Gary Sanchez in my catcher position as well, I picked up Francisco Cervelli just a second ago. But it's definitely a bummer because I was lacking in a little bit of power already. And so to lose 10 plus home runs from my catcher position um, is a little bit of a hard uh, thing to make up towards the back end of the draft, but I will do my best in doing that. The same thing with RBI; those were probably the two categories where you know I had uh, had the most challenges, or at least was not uh, doing as well. So we'll see. I'll have to manage that. Uh, it's early in the season; it's possible. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so with these previews, I am trying to roll through them. Um, you know, do a thorough job in terms of covering the players and sharing kind of my perspective, uh, but also making sure that I'm getting to these uh, as soon as possible so that folks are able to listen to them before their drafts. So hopefully uh, this weekend I will be rolling out the third base preview. And then on Tuesday, I will hopefully be doing the outfield preview. I'm going to have uh, Bubba from Bench with Bubba podcast uh, on on Tuesday, and we'll be going over the outfield position together, which should be a lot of fun. I've been rolling with a lot of these uh, previews uh, by myself just because I haven't been able to have as set of a schedule as I would have liked, you know, where I can say I'm going to record on Tuesdays and Thursdays and then invite folks. Um, and sometimes it's easier just to roll with it and, and do the solo podcast. But I'm really excited to have Bubba on. And following that, I will be doing um, uh, later in the week. Uh, I'll uh, be, I think, uh, maybe Friday or Saturday. Uh, or that weekend we'll be doing a relief pitcher or closer uh, podcast with Brian Slack. That should be a lot of fun as well. And then I'm definitely going to do uh, bust out the starting pitcher uh, preview um, as well. Hopefully, maybe early next week, so that you know they're done and dusted with a couple weeks before most drafts happen uh, later in March. All right, uh, you can follow me uh, as always on Batflip uh, on Twitter at BatflipCrazy, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, YouTube. Uh, the website is batflipcrazy.com. I have not been updating uh, a lot of those, so just follow me on Twitter. Uh, engage with me there. That's the best place to do it. If you do like these previews uh, that I'm rolling out, if you do like the podcast, uh, it would really, really, uh, I would really, really appreciate it if you were to leave a five-star rating and review if you have not already. 
Um, it's just really good uh, both for the podcast algorithm to make sure that it gets in front of as many people as possible, um, and uh, and it's awesome uh, to read the reviews. I know I mention that all the time, but it really is nice to hear be- feedback from folks in that format uh, that like the podcast because you know I'm trying to trying to bring some value. Really excited uh, for the season to get close to starting though. Once these drafts are happening, I got some ideas about what I'm going to be doing. Hopefully doing a weekly uh, waiver wire podcast where I'll take a look at some of the less owned guys um, and where I can just take a look at some of the underlying skills and metrics you know, that may signify that somebody's going to break out or is breaking out or will tell you whether that guy who's coming out of nowhere to break out may be a little bit more real or not. Um, and then also hopefully doing you know a podcast during the week where I will go over some of the key metrics that I look at throughout the season to identify folks who who um, you know may be improving or uh, playing poorly and kind of seeing whether 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 that seems lucky or unlucky or or whatnot uh, things like you know the O swing and the Z contact and the barrels and X woba things of that nature. So hopefully being able to provide those uh, will bring some value to you during the fantasy baseball season. But if there are a particular type of podcast or issues that you would like me to cover, uh, I would definitely love to that. I'm opening to li- open to listening, so uh, let me know about that. All right, um, let us hop into the uh, shortstop position preview. It's a fun position. Um, it has uh, a little secret, my favorite three-player kind of grouping, um, I think, is in shortstop that I've been uh, I've been utilizing in pretty much all of my drafts. So uh, that's a little bit of a cliffhanger, a real, real good cliffhanger uh, for you. You're definitely going to listen to the full podcast now. Uh, but yeah, shortstop preview. Let's get this party started. All right, we're going to get started with the shortstop preview. Uh, As we have with the other positional previews, we've done catcher, first base, and second base so far. Uh, What I'll do is share the aggregate projection of three publicly available uh, projection systems. That is Steamer, uh, ATC, and the Bat, which are all available on Fangraph. So I've aggregated those projections, um, and then uh, using the standard gain points method, uh, created a valuation uh, for uh, those players, um, and then I'm going to compare that valuation to the actual cost um, in terms of ADP, and then what that ADP slot uh, is worth um, uh, from a valuation perspective, just to see you know where we might be able to find um, some values uh, for folks um, in. Uh, uh, what the, what the actual value is for people because as i've mentioned before you know the the key thing isn't necessarily which player is the best but which player uh where they're going represents uh value now towards the top of the draft um you know towards the top of the position uh rankings if you will uh each of the play it, it's a really hard to create value at that level right so a lot of the top guys going in the first few rounds it's going to be really challenging to get value because uh, they, the cost is so high and projections are using the 50% medium projection. And so uh, it's challenging to find any value uh, whatsoever the, at the top of the draft. So don't pay too much attention if a guy's down, you know, a dollar or two as we look at value. Um, you know, that's just something that that's going to be a product of where they're going at the top of the draft. But as we get deeper, we're going to find some values. Shortstop, you know, there isn't a ton of value um, out there uh, right now. Um, but 
you know, we're gonna we're gonna take a look. There's a really nice pocket of value, like three players that I just love where they're going uh, at the shortstop position, and I've been targeting them throughout a lot of my drafts. Up at the top, we have Trey Turner, a shortstop for the Washington Nationals. His uh, aggregate projection: six hundred sixty-three plate appearances, ninety-three runs. 18 home runs, 71 RBI, and 40 stolen bases with a 283 um, batting average. That is worth $29. Um, and it, the ADP at an ADP of seven uh, is a, it's a $32 slot. So he's losing some value. I love Trey Turner. I think he's a great way to start off your team. Uh, he's a five category contributor. He's going to co- contribute significantly in runs. Uh, he's going to give you a ton of stolen bases to start off with. And then I think the batting average. You know, everything is there. Um, he had really good growth last year in terms of his uh, his contact rate and in his plate discipline. And so I think that means he's going to get on base more, both in terms of OBP and walking. And I think uh, from a batting average perspective, I think he'll get um, a little bit, uh, his luck will even out a little bit from a Babbitt perspective. And as he continues to make, if he can continue the trend of making more contact, you know, that that batting average should uh, continue to go up, if not stay stable in the kind of t- high 270s, low 280s. But, you know, here's a guy who has the potential to hit 300, not anywhere near, you know, out of the realm of possibility. You know, steal, uh, f- you know, 40 to 50 bases, um, hit you 20 home runs, um, and, you know, contribute cl- triple-digit runs. And so Turner's a guy who, when he has that, you know, strong season. That's even that seventy-five percent projection season. I feel like he's going to be in the running uh, for for the top player of the year. So he's a guy that I really love. Even though shortstop has some depth to it, I really love starting off my team this way because you know it's helping me out in batting average. It's helping me out a ton in stolen bases. I don't have to think as much about stolen bases, and we don't necessarily think about it. You know, because it's the first guy we're drafting, and there's other guys on the board right here where you know who have thirty, maybe even forty home run. Uh, projections, but you know that 18 home runs that he's projected for is critical because the other guys who are going to get you, you know, that number of stolen bases are going to come with some significant weaknesses. So Raul Mondesi, you know, he's projected for 41 stolen bases, but that batting average is at 248, right? So he's hitting you in batting average, which is one of the scarcest categories. You know, then you look at a guy like maybe a Malik Smith uh, or a Billy Hamilton or a D Gordon. Uh, even a Jonathan VR, you know, the chances are that they're going to hurt you in at least one category. You know, D Gordon and Malik Smith are probably going to crush you in RBI. Uh, you know, they're going to get like 30 to 40 RBIs and you're going to have to compensate for that. They're also going to give you really home run, low home run totals. Same thing with Billy Hamilton. He's also going to give you a bad batting average. And Jonathan VR is likely going to give you a bad batting average, you know, at least uh, in that in that situation. So, you know, while it doesn't seem like it right now, those 18 home runs that Turner is providing for you later on as your opponents, you know, start looking for speed in different places, it becomes really, really hard to meet that need for speed uh, without um, really hurting yourself in other categories. So I love starting off drafts with Turner. Uh, next up is Francisco Lindor. He has fallen to an ADP of uh, 12 um, in the last two weeks. Um, on uh, NFBC, uh, $29 valuation with his projection at 657 plate appearances, 100 runs, 30 home runs, 90 RBI, 19 stolen bases, a 287 batting average. Now, I believe, I'm not sure the projections have factored in uh, the injury 
uh, quite yet. You know, and so my major concern with Lindor and one of the reasons why I'm going to bypass him is he always has been, you know, he doesn't necessarily generate the best uh, rate stats. You know, he had a really high runs per plate appearance last year, I think because he was an ideal situation with Michael Brantley and Jose Ramirez batting after him. But, you know, he doesn't necessarily have a particularly high OBP. I mean, it's a very solid OBP, but not like you see in some places um, in, in, uh, at this point in the draft. Um, and I really have concerns about the stolen bases. You know, the stolen bases he put up last year uh, were a career high. Uh, he's now got the calf injury. And uh, there's been some research done that, you know, that does in most situations um, uh, hamper stolen base opportunities. The Indians are going to want him to be fully healthy. So maybe he'll steal later on in the year, but hold him, hold him back towards the beginning of the year when, you know, most stolen bases uh, do happen. Um, and so, you know, that's, that is just, you know, there's too many other good players who are going in the first and second round. There's just not enough, uh, with the injury to differentiate Lindor, I think from other guys. And in that particular case, I'm probably going to pass on him, even though right now he's at kind of an even value at a $29 valuation uh, at $29 pick. Manny Machado is up next, going at an ADP of 14, uh, 648 plate appearances, 89 runs, 33 home runs, 98 RBI, 9 stolen bases, with a 286 uh, batting average. That's good for $26 valuation at a $28 pick, so he's losing what rounds up to $3. Uh, you know, plenty of people have discussed the impact of Machado going to the Padres. Um, you know, I think that. It's gonna. It may hit the hit those counting stats a little bit. I think home run. He'll be fine. Uh, Petco, you know, has a little bit of a a bad reputation for home runs, but it really impacts left-handed uh, power much more than right-handed power. And the stolen bases, I think, are a potential area where we could see some growth. The Padres are one of the teams that does steal bases, and so that's going to be super helpful. And and so I think you're really looking at a guy who's going to contribute uh, in five categories. Um, pretty solid, you know, where he's going right now. I might, you know, drop him back a little bit just because there's other guys, you know, both at shortstop and around here that, that I like a lot more. Like, I definitely take Freddie Freeman over Machado, um, you know, but even a guy like Trevor Story is a guy that I like a lot um, heading into this year. And so he's a guy that, you know, I would probably have uh, ahead of Machado. So, uh, that's Machado. Alex Bregman, uh, the guy, you know, I love Alex Bregman. I loved him heading into last year. Uh, love him uh, sort of heading into this year. I mean, the challenge with Bregman is that, um, you know, obviously he can continue to grow. He's a young hitter. He's a guy who's committed, who wants to be the best. You know, that seems pretty clear just by his, uh, his um, approach and the growth that we've seen. And so it's not it's not out of the uh, the realm of possibilities that he could have another level to his game. I just worry a little bit. I think, you know, the power that he hit at last year, I think that was about, you know, the peak with what he's been able to show uh, so far. Uh, the batting average, while it's been very solid in, uh, you know, I think 286 this past year, which is really great. You know, he's not necessarily at that same level as, you know, his teammate, uh, Jose Altuve, where he's consistently hitting in the 300s from a batting average perspective. And the counting stats will definitely be there. So I think he's all around solid. It's a solid base. Um, I just think that maybe the ceiling isn't as high um, as some other guys. You know, I could be could definitely be wrong on that. Still a young guy, still opportunity for growth. But that's kind of how I feel 
uh, for Bregman. Uh, so his projection, 662 plate appearances, 99 runs, 28 home runs, 94 RBI, 11 stolen bases, a 283 batting average. That's good for a $25 um, valuation, and he's going at a $28 pick. Now, another concern I have for Bregman is the stolen bases. Um, he dipped down from, I believe, 19 in 2017 uh, down into the low uh, double digits last year, and he didn't really steal the second half of the season. Now, that could be because of the injury uh, to his elbow that he got surgery on. Maybe he just didn't feel comfortable sliding into second base, was trying to conserve once the Astros had, had a pretty good lead yeah, in the AL West. Now, whatever it was, he didn't steal that much. And so there's just a few too many questions for me probably to target Bregman. I did draft him, get him in one draft, and I think, but that was uh, because he uh, fell all the way down uh, to pick 21. And so at that, that position, I like him you know, a lot more. I actually drafted him in the TGFBI last year at pick uh, 29. Uh, so if he's going later, if he falls in your draft, definitely a nice guy. He's got dual position eligibility at third base and shortstop. I think third base is not as strong um, as it has been. And so, you know, that definitely helps out a little bit. So Bregman, obviously, you know, a solid foundation, a pretty very stable plate approach. And so, you know, no problem taking him right here. Just maybe lacks a little bit of the ceiling, I think. Uh, that some of the other guys going around here do. Next up is Javi Baez, who we covered also in the second base preview, ADP of 15. Uh, Baez uh, has a aggregate projection of 639 plate appearances, 86 runs, 31 home runs, 96 RBI, 17 stolen base with a 271 batting average, good for $25 in valuation, uh, $28 uh, ADP or cost. Uh, I mentioned this on the second base pro. Uh, uh, preview, so I won't belabor the point, but my concern with Baez is really just the plate approach. I think there's too much variance in that plate approach. It's not stable enough, and he, there's nothing that really distinguishes him too much from the other guys that are going in this area. I don't see any reason why he should be going ahead of Trevor Story. And so, um, you know, he's a guy that I'm not going to be drafting this year, going to be fading. Uh, $3 loss in terms of value uh, for Baez. Trevor Story, a guy that I like a lot, ADP of 20, 630 plate appearances, 89 runs, 33 home runs, 98 RBI, 19 stolen bases, and a 270 uh, batting average. That's good for a $27 valuation at a $26 cost. So he's getting you even some value there uh, going high up at the top. You know, Story really made huge progress last year in his contact rate. Um, you know, one year removed, one full year removed uh, from uh, wrist surgery. You know, he looked like a, an entirely different player. And, you know, that contact rate surged and all of the things that had made him kind of a darling heading into uh, 2017, uh, where he, you know, kind of crapped the bed a little bit, uh, you know, that, that came back. I mean, the hard hit rate is among the best um, in baseball, he's got a high fly ball rate as well. He plays half of his games in cores. He's also in a in a better lineup now with uh, Daniel Murphy batting in front of him now. I mean, Charlie Blackman, Daniel Murphy, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story potentially as kind of the top four. Um, at least, you know, maybe he's batting fifth, but the RBI opportunities should be there. And then the speed uh, is legit. I mean, he stole... Um, you know, close to 30 bases last year. And, you know, he's one of the faster players. Um, and it kind of sneaks up on you a little bit, I think. But he, you know, the skills and everything is there. And I think he's a great pick 
uh, you know, anywhere in the in the second round. Raul Mondesi is up next, ADP of 39. Now, I've covered Mondesi in depth. Um, if you're interested in, in hearing that episode, I did like a 35-minute player uh, profile on Mondesi uh, about 10 or 15 episodes back. Uh, Mondesi's projection is at 606 plate appearances, 77 runs, 20 home runs, 66 RBI, 41 stolen bases with a 248 batting average. Uh, that is good for a valuation of $22 at an ADP cost of $22 with that ADP at around 39 although that is pushing up a little bit. People are definitely you know, hot on his tail. He hit a home run today in spring training. It's only going to help out a little bit. You know, my overall take is I've been kind of a little shy about committing one way or another to Mondesi. You know, I think he keeps on moving up drafts, which makes me a little leery of getting him. But, you know, the fact of the matter is this, is I think that that the only thing that prevents him from at least meeting the value um, that he's supposed to provide is if he somehow gets injured or, you know, doesn't or gets removed from the starting lineup. And I see that as a very, very distant possibility. You know, the the Ned Yost and the Royals are a team that gave Alcides Escobar 162 games for a number of years in a row when he was one of the worst hitters in baseball. Mondesi's power is legit. Uh, his hard drive percentage, his barrels per plate appearance, uh, all, all of the hard contact metrics really support you know, the quality of contact that he was making. And he's a little bit like Javi Baez. You know, a lot of people mention uh, Byron Buxton as a as an example. Well, I guess Javi Baez doesn't even fit in this. But, you know, the thing about Mondesi is the stolen bases are just insane, right? That is where he is getting you the value, is really with the stolen bases and the ability to match with that with power. And all of the batted ball quality data points to the fact that he's able, you know, that he's earned, you know, uh, what he did last year and that he can hit for power. Um you know, it's a small sample size, obviously, and pitchers are going to adjust, but, you know, there's nothing fluky about what he was able to do from a power perspective. From a speeds perspective, he's really, really fast. He's going to get the green light. You know, the Royals give folks the green light. They're not going to put him at the top of the lineup or batting number two in the lineup and, you know, give and put the brakes on him. This is essentially what the Royals are doing, right? They have Billy Hamilton, Whit Merrifield, and Raul Mondesi. They're going to be committed to the run and trying to wreak havoc on the base pass and generate runs that way. And so for all of those reasons, you know, I think the worst case scenario barring injury is really Mondesi getting put towards the back of the lineup if he struggles a lot. But he also made improvements in, you know, a lot of areas. His contact rate was improving. His play discipline was improving. Um, and he's a he's a high swing guy. He swings a ton. And so even though he swings and misses a ton because he swings so much, he actually doesn't strike out as much as you might anticipate. So I'm fine with Mondesi. Um, you know, those stolen bases and the power combination, you know, really, really give you a, a nice foundation, especially if you can couple that with maybe, you know, a 300 hitter uh, with some uh, with, with some pop and some, some counting stats. Uh, you know, that seems like a really good base base to me. A guy I absolutely love this year, love, 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 is Xander Bogarts. Uh, 634 plate appearances, 86 runs, 21 home runs, 87 RBI, 10 stolen bases with a 288 batting average. That's good for a $19 valuation going at a $20 cost. Uh, it rounds down to a zero, so you know a neutral, uh, neutral value there. But I like Bogarts 
you know, to destroy um, his projection. Um, I think that last year he showed another level in terms of his home run power. You know, his ground ball rate uh, was decreasing, so he was hitting the ball in the, mo- the air more. You know, hard hit rate improved. His contact continued to be elite, so he can bat for a very high batting average. And his stolen bases fell down, but that was because he injured his ankle and he stopped stealing. And so, you know, I think Bogarts can can get to, um, you know, 90 to uh, 100 runs. I think he can get close to 30 home runs if he's healthy. I think he can get close to leading the league in RBI. That might be a bold prediction of mine is Xander Bogarts leading the league in RBI. You know, because if the Red Sox lineup is Andrew Benintendi, Mookie Betts, uh, J.D. Martinez, followed by Xander Bogarts, you know, what is there a better situation in baseball for RBI uh, than that? Don't don't do any analysis and figure out that there is. But, you know, that is just an awesome place to be. And so I just love Bogarts. I love where he's going. He's heading into free agency and not necessarily that that impacts folks, but, you know, he's going to want to show that he... Um, that he's that he's versatile, that he can steal, and he's going to want to uh, run up that value as he becomes a free agent. So I love Xander Bogarts for where he's going. He's actually falling a little bit in drafts. He was earlier on in drafts in the low to mid 40s earlier in the season, but he's kind of falling back a little bit. Uh, so definitely like him more than the next guy up here, and that is Carlos Correa, ADP of 50 as well. Played appearances 611, 84 runs. 25 home runs, 88 RBI, five stolen bases with a 272 batting average. That's good for a $17 valuation uh, at a $20 ADP. Uh, so that's a negative $3 value going at this spot right here. The thing for me about Correa is, you know, number one, health is certainly an issue. Um, you know, whether or not he's injury prone, I don't know, but I, I do believe that there's been a lot of soft tissue um, issues. Uh, with Correa. Um, I also think that the stolen bases, the lack of stolen bases is a real big um, challenge for Correa. He's he's projected to get to five, but he's been, you know, uh, very low the last couple years. Um, you know, and then when you look at the guys that are going around him, you know, you see 40 stolen bases, 19, 9, 11, 17, 19, 41, 10, 21, 10, and then his five. And so I really think that's a huge detriment, you know, at the shortstop position. Uh, and I just think that, you know, we haven't seen the consistency from Correa. And I think, you know, if you have a choice between Correa and Bogarts, I'm going Bogarts 100% of the time. Next up, we have Gene Segura, shortstop for the Bryce Harper-led uh, Philadelphia Phillies. 642 plate appearances, 81 runs, 14 home runs, 64 RBI, 21 stolen bases with a 2 88 batting average, $17 valuation at an $18 pick. You know, Segura is a guy who has been pretty stable for a while now. Uh, The batting average is really nice. The stolen bases are really nice. I think that's really good. And then with the home runs, the 14 home runs, he's obviously heading to uh, a really nice ballpark, much better than Safeco Field, which is now T-Mobile Field uh, in Seattle. Uh, And I also think that with the injury to Cesar Hernandez earlier uh, early this year, you know, there is the possibility that Segura finds himself either batting first or even potentially second, uh, depending on what they do with Andrew McCutcheon, uh, you know, and that could really help out the run total. Uh, the only concern I have a little bit, you know, the Phillies have shown a willingness to run. You know, the only question is if Segura is, you know, in that lineup uh, with Harper batting after him, with Hoskins batting after him, are they going to slow him down a little bit on the base, base pass? But 
know, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I think Segura is fairly priced. And he's a guy, if you miss up out on some of the earlier stolen base guys, he's certainly somebody that can that can help you out. Glaber Torres is up next. We covered him in the second base preview, so I won't spend too much time. But I think it's a similar situation with Torres here where I think he's getting a little bit of the Yankee valuation bump. 595 plate appearances, 76 runs, uh, 24 home runs, 79 RBI, and 10 stolen bases with a 265 batting average. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the line. It's a $15 valuation going at a $17 ADP. But I, there's just no necessarily standout tool um, for Torres, and he really looked, uh, he really did poorly towards the end of last year. You know, whether it was pitchers adjusting to him or just struggles at the plate, whatever it was, I think, you know, I think where he's going right now, yeah, I'd be much more comfortable getting him, you know, if he was further back uh, in the, you know, maybe low triple digits, uh, high double digits uh, for a cost. And so I am, I am probably going to fade him right here, although obviously the Yankees lineup is really nice. Corey Seager going at an ADP of 85. Uh, 622 plate appearances, 87 runs, 23 home runs, 78 RBI, three stolen bases with a 285 uh, batting average. That's good for a $16 value going at a $16 average draft position uh, at, AV, at 85, so $0 value. Uh, Seeger is a guy that I'm not going to own either. Obviously, health is a major issue with him. I want to see that he can have a fully healthy season. And then I think the only real standout skill that he has um, in a scarce category is the batting average. And so that is obviously really nice. He's in a good Dodgers lineup, but you know he doesn't have speed at the shortstop position. And it's not even the shortstop position. It's just the lack of speed. And even the home runs, you know, 23 home runs is great, but it's nothing necessarily to write home about. And so I think there are guys going, you know, around this spot, like an Eddie Rosario, for instance, that I'd be much more interested in uh, than Corey Seager, you know, Nelson Cruz going in a similar position. Just guys who have a little bit more standout skills have been more consistent performers that I would be targeting in this area. Jose Peraza uh, going at an ADP of 92, 641 plate appearances, 78 runs, 13 home runs, 62 RBI, 25 stolen bases with a 282 batting average. That's good for a $17 valuation uh, at a $16 ADP cost. Uh, The one major concern I think with Peraza, I haven't found him on... I haven't gotten him on any of my teams right now. I think I've done five or six drafts so far. I think that one of the major questions is uh, batting order. You know, with some of the news about maybe Jesse Winker batting leadoff, you know, and, you know, you have Joey Votto, you have Yasiel Puig, uh, you have Eugenio Suarez. You know, it's likely that Peraza may find himself towards the back of the lineup, even in, you know, potentially, I guess Tucker Barnhart is likely to be in the eighth spot. Uh, but maybe even in the in the seventh spot for Peraza, I think that will cut into the plate appearances. Obviously, um, you know it's going to cut into some of the counting stats, and I don't really believe necessarily in the home run power that Peraza showed. You know, he he hit 14 home runs, I believe, last year, but I only think he had eight expected home runs. And while he plays in a really nice home run park, and he definitely had an increase in his fly ball rate, I'm just not necessarily sure. Um, you know, double digits is definitely possible, but whether he'll be able to get to or surpass that 14 home runs from last year, I'm just a little skeptical. 
although the batting average and stolen base combo is really nice. So if you find yourself missing out on some of the middle infielders, you know, second baseman and shortstop who are going earlier in the draft to have that speed and average combination, uh, you know, then you can certainly do a lot worse than Peraza. But I do re- worry that the situation, um, you know, and his, his spot in the batting lineup could hurt that value a little bit. Next up is Tim Anderson, shortstop for the Chicago White Sox, an ADP of 128, 616 plate appearances, 71 runs, 18 home runs, 66 RBI, 22 stolen bases with a 254 batting average for Anderson. That's good for a $14 valuation going at a $12 cost. So he is getting you a value of what rounds up to uh, about $1. That's the same as Jose Peraza, you know, going at an ADP of 128. Uh, he's one of these guys who is really, he's, he's really tough for me because I tend to shy away from, even in batting average leagues, guys who have really volatile profiles, who don't have good plate discipline, who don't necessarily make a ton of contact. Guys like Javi Baez, you know, but Anderson has shown that he can hit, he's, he's got a 2020 season under his belt. You know, the batting average doesn't hurt you too bad. You know, it's probably going to be below league average, uh, but it's not necessarily, you know, uh, soul crushing. Uh, where it is right now. And there's always the possibility that he could take a step forward like Javier Baez and the cost isn't too much, especially with the stolen base home run combination. But I'm just going to shy away probably just because, you know, you just never know what you're going to get with guys like that. Uh, and, And so I tend to shy away, but the projections are showing him as a guy who is uh, generating some value where he's going right now. Jerickson Profar is a guy that I have covered in the first base and I believe also the second base preview. I'm going to cover him in like virtually every single preview because he's eligible at virtually every single position. Uh, but Profar is a guy who's way down on my list. I'm just not that interested this year. Uh, his projection uh, going at an AT, ADP of 133 is 550 plate appearances, 68 runs, 16 home runs, 62 RBI, 8 stolen bases with a 258 batting average. The plate appearances may go up. This was based on him being still in Texas. Uh, I think um, with the A's, he should have a regular job at second base, but that projection is worth a $7 valuation, and this is a $12 draft slot. And so maybe you're looking at him in like a 50-team draft and hold because you really want to get, you know, that position, multi-position eligibility. But you know, I think there are some challenges. Like it looks like his batting average is going to boost up a lot, but he's always struggled to get a pretty solid BABIP. Um, his stolen bases, you know, he he um, he's actually not that fast. And he's going to Oakland where he's likely to bat at the top of the lineup. They only stole 35 bases as a team in Oakland. And he's going to be in front of, you know, guys like uh, Steven Piscotti, Chris Davis, and Matt Olson. And so whether they're going to want him to run that much, I'm not really sure. You know, his contact rate is always really, really nice, which is great, but his play discipline slacked off a little bit last year. So a little bit of volatility there. I'm just not sure whether he's going to be able to replicate or whether I believe in what he was able to do last year. But again, he is a pedigree prospect guy. So there's no, there, so there's also no reason why he can't uh, take a jump up. But, you know, the projection doesn't necessarily like him. $5 loss in value. So I'm probably going to pass on him right here, although I find this to be, you know, a little bit of a challenging spot in the draft. But a guy like Andrew McCutcheon is still around in a ton of drafts going at this spot. I would take him every single day over Jurex and Profar where they're going right now. Next up is Ahmed Rosario of the New York Mets, uh, ADP of 141. 
projection of 600 plate appearances, 66 runs, 11 home runs, 56 RBI, 23 stolen bases with a 259 batting average. He obviously had a, a torrid second half last year in terms of stolen bases um, you know, and just overall performance. He made some pretty good leaps. At the same time, the skills are still leave a little bit to be desired. The contact rate is definitely improving, but he's still swinging at pretty much everything. You know, so not a very stable profile. You know, he also may be towards the back end of that Mets lineup. You know, if he's batting leadoff, I think there's going to be a ton of value there. But, you know, I think he's much more likely to bat towards the end of the, the lineup because that his profile just doesn't necessarily, you know, the low walk rate, he doesn't get on base a ton. I think he's he's probably destined towards the back of that lineup. I think that's going to hurt his value a little bit. But he's been a guy that I've been going after if I'm really desperate for stolen bases at this point in the draft because I do think the batting average is going to be fine. You know, he he will hit for double-digit power probably. You know, and he took he, he definitely had an uptick in power uh, towards the second half of last year. And so, you know, it, it's it's a well enough rounded profile with some speed that, you know, I don't mind taking him here, even though, you know, it's a $10 valuation of that projection in a $12 draft slot. Uh, I don't mind it too much. Elvis Andrews is up next, uh, ADP of 172. His projection is at 584 plate appearances, 70 runs, 11 home runs, um, 61 RBI, 14 stolen bases with a 273 batting average. Uh, that is good for a $9 valuation with a $10 ADP. I think the challenge with Andrews, I was all over Andrews last year, unfortunately, you know, and he got injured. He was actually rolling before he injured his elbow last year. The challenge for me with uh, Andrews is the stolen bases. They really dried up in the second half of the year. Uh, and he's not as fast as he used to be. He's getting older. And so the question is whether he is going to steal um, or not this year. And then I think the power, I think the power we saw uh, in 2017 was largely the result of that juiced ball. I think there's a number of kind of guys who were surprise home run hitters in that year who were kind of smaller guys who were pulling a ton of fly balls. And, you know, I just don't, I haven't seen the same uh, level of power from Andrews uh, since then, you know, last year. And so without the, with major questions around the power and speed, I just, you know, I'm probably not going to go after Andrews right here. $9 valuation, $10 ADP. I just think I can wait and get some guys that I like more in a little bit, which I'm going to talk about. You know, and then, you know, even right behind him, you know, you got a guy like Paul DeYoung, uh, who is probably going to bat third in the in a really good Cardinals lineup, you know, and at a, at a projection of 566 plate appearances at 70 runs, 25 home runs, 78 RBIs, two stolen bases with a 253 batting average. You know, he's also shown consistent improvement. He's still a young guy. You know, his contact rate has continued to climb. His uh, plate discipline has continued to improve. So DeYoung's a guy I like a lot, although he hasn't ended up on any of my teams. You know, $10 valuation, a $9 ADP. You know, he's a guy that I would much rather have than Andrews just because I can count on you know, the power, I think the counting stats are going to be really nice. And I do think there's a little bit of potential for him uh, to inch up in, in batting average. Uh, Eduardo Escobar is up next uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. ADP of 185, 607 plate appearances, 71 runs, 20 home runs, 74 RBI, four stolen bases with a 257 batting average. It's good for a $9 valuation going at a $9 cost. You know, again, like with a lot of these guys, the reason why I don't find myself getting any Paul DeYoung, the reason why I'm probably not going to have any Andrews or any Eduardo Escobar or even Garrett Hampson, who's up next, 
uh, is because of Jorge Polanco, Marcus Semien, and Andrelton Simmons coming up. I don't mind Escobar necessarily, and he's got dual eligibility, uh, but you know I just think there are better values around or two later on uh, in the draft uh, there. Uh, Garrett Hampson is up next at an ADP of 187. Uh, I believe I covered him in the second base. Uh, no, actually, I don't think I covered him in the second base preview, but I did do an extensive profile on him. Obviously, the major question is, you know, he's a high high reward, high risk type of guy. Is he going to get, you know, consistent at-bats? And if he does, you know, with pretty solid plate discipline and good contact skills, I expect the batting average to be decent, you know, and the stolen bases will be there. You know, I don't think the power will be great. Um, and the counting stats, you know, we'll see. I, I would assume that he's probably going to bat towards the end of the lineup, at least to start. And I do worry a little bit in his very, very brief stint in the majors at the beginning of last year. He did look a little bit overpowered from a batted ball quality perspective. Uh, but again, it's a very, very small sample size. You know, he's a guy who, you know, he could return huge value if he plays every day. You know, and steals thirty plus stolen ba- thirty plus bags with a decent batting average, and you know, double you know, ten home runs or something like that. But he could also find himself back in the minors, or you know, playing only a couple times a week, or you know, uh, something like that. And so, you know, I haven't I haven't had any shares of of Hampson mostly because uh, in the vast majority of my drafts, I've already addressed most of my stolen base needs here, or. I am waiting for you know three of the next five guys who I'm going to talk about. Jorge Polanco. Jorge Polanco is probably my favorite shortstop target. Um, you know, in this in the whole you know Trey Turner is like my number one because I think he's a guy that I would probably draft third at this standpoint just because I love what he gives you in terms of stolen bases. But Polanco overall, I think, is my favorite guy um, this year. Uh, his projection is 624 plate appearances, 78 runs, 14 home runs, 65 RBI, 14 stolen bases with a 272 batting average. That's good for a $12 valuation at an $8 slot. So $4 worth of value for Polanco, which is great. Polanco had, after coming back from the suspension last year, just had a really, really nice plate skills. Um, his O swing was one of the best in the league, which I think you know has gone a little bit under the radar. He was making a ton of contact. Uh, the hard contact was decent. You know, he hits a decent amount of fly balls um, as well. And so, you know, uh, I think that he's a guy. He's probably going to bat leadoff maybe uh, for the Twins. Is the rumor? You know, either him or even Max Kepler potentially. Uh, but you know, Polanco I think has a very very nice balanced approach. He's contributing in the two scarcest categories in terms of stolen bases and batting average. And then he's contributing across the board with a really, really nice uh, base and uh, of skills that he's building off of, and maybe even the possibility of taking that kind of next step because we saw what he did, you know, in August two years ago when he went on that run, and he really didn't do that in um, in 2018. He was really much more just kind of like a consistent performer. And so if he gets on a hot streak or two this year, I think we could see some really nice things like maybe even 20 home runs. Um, you know, and a, and a slightly higher batting average. So, you know, we'll see what he um, what he ends up with. But he's a guy that I love, love, love um, in terms of uh, value um, uh, where he's going right now. Next up is a guy that I am off of this year, and that's Chris Taylor, uh, shortstop slash outfielder for uh, the Dodgers. Uh, his projection is at 587 plate appearances, 73 runs, 16 home runs, 62. 
RBIs, 11 stolen bases with a 252 batting average. That's good for a valuation of $8, going at an $8 cost, so $0 worth of value. Um, you know, I, it's it's uh, the, the issue that I have with Taylor is that he really struggled in the second half of last year with contact. His uh, contact rate was horrendous. And I think he's gotten kind of worse and worse and worse uh, the further away he's gotten from kind of that surprise uh, breakout in the first half of uh, uh, 2017. And so, um, you know, I I just don't like the profile at all. Obviously, the stolen bases and the home runs are kind of, uh, they're they're pretty nice. I mean, sixteen and eleven based on the projection, but I'm going to undersell the projection. I think Taylor may find himself out of uh, a gig. Um, you know, in in LA, uh, I think you know Kike Hernandez has been really good recently, uh, demonstrating some really nice skills. And so, you know, if he can play a decent shortstop, uh, maybe he takes over for uh, Taylor there, uh, um, or uh, not shortstop. Uh, Uh, second base Uh, because Taylor has shortstop eligibility, but uh, Corey Seager will be playing uh, shortstop. Sorry, a little bit of a a brain fart there. Uh, But, you know, I don't necessarily think that Taylor is going to have guaranteed playing time. And again, the contact rate was so bad in the second half of uh, 2018 that it just raises huge uh, red flags for me at an ADP of 210 even. Uh, And again, there's, you know, Polanco right in front of him and then Semyon and, and Simmons coming up who I'll cover, who I just like a lot more. Kettle Marte is next. Covered him in the second base preview, so I'll just really quickly reiterate. Uh, 212 ADP, 617 plate appearances, 74 runs, 13 home runs, 62 RBI, 9 stolen bases with a 273 batting average. Good for $9 valuation at an $8 value. You know, my thing for Marte is I just don't think that the ceiling is that high, and I don't think, I don't see the home runs going up much. He hasn't really stolen uh, many bases uh, throughout his time in the majors, and I think we're just kind of at this point hoping him for him to be a guy that he hasn't shown that he is uh, yet. Um, he's not in a very good li- lineup. You know, the uh, Chase Field has gotten harder to hit in because of the humidor. You know, and and for that reason, I'm probably not going to have Marte. Although the shortstop second base, and he's likely to play center field this year, so outfield eligibility um, could be uh, beneficial for sure. Marcus Semien is a guy that I like a lot. Uh, ADP of 213, 635 plate appearances, 75 runs, 18 home runs, 68 RBI, 13 stolen bases with a 251 batting average. Good for $11 valuation at an $8 cost. Um, I really, really like Semien. He's one more year removed from wrist surgery as well. He didn't fit from as much pop last year, but he still stole 14 stolen bases. And he had some really nice skill growth. The contact rate was really, really nice. He had a dramatic improvement um, in his plate discipline uh, as well. So he's got a really solid foundation and approach to build off of. And he's got that, you know, he's hit 20 home runs before. Uh, you know, has he stolen 20 bases? Um, let's, uh, let's look really quickly. I cannot remember and I don't have it in front of me, but you know, he has that possibility. He stole 14 bases, uh, last year. So he hasn't 14 in his most stolen bases and he's projected for, um, you know, that 13, uh, but still, you know, getting 20, 13. And I think there's the possibility for some, uh, you know, for him to put up a, a really nice batting average because of the improved skills towards the uh, second half of the season, you know, where uh, his his in-zone contact 
uh, was up. His place discipline was um, better as well. Uh, and, and so, you know, he's just a really consistent guy uh, who you kind of know what you're getting. He's going to play every day. He's in a good lineup. Um, I love Marcus Semyon this year. He's always, he's always goes like around 215, 220, like regardless of what he does. Um, another guy that I really like uh, is Andrelton Simmons um, of the Angels. Uh, 600, uh, going at an ADP of 215, 620 plate appearances, 71 runs, 12 home runs, 67 RBI, 12 stolen bases with a 276 batting average, uh, $10 valuation at $8 cost, so it rounds up to a $3 value. So with Polanco, Semyon, and Simmons, you're looking at 3 to $4 values, I think, with, with all three of them having a little bit of upside uh, that they can reach. Um, Simmons, uh, you know, how I think about it is this. If I'm looking for more power, uh, I'm looking at Marcus Semyon. If I'm looking for batting average, I'm looking for Simmons. And then I'm looking, if I'm looking for just the player like the most, the most well-rounded player, uh, I think I'm looking at Polanco. Um, and so Polanco is probably the guy that I'm reaching for first, but he's also shooting up draft boards based on recent drafts that I've been in. Um, you know, whereas Simmons, Simmons is too a little bit, I think Semyon is falling back. And so I may end up having a lot of Semyon shares when all is said and done. But, you know, those three guys are just the guys that I'm targeting either as my middle infielders or even as my starting shortstop. I think they're perfectly uh, capable of filling that in. You know, and if you even go like two of those three, if you're able to get them in back-to-back rounds, you know, that's not a bad middle infielder shortstop uh, combination there. Uh, up next, uh, Lourdes Gurriel, uh, 222, 221 ADP. I covered him last year, uh, yesterday in the second base preview or in the last podcast with the second base preview. You know, I don't, I don't love it. You know, he showed himself to be a pretty good hitter, but you know, he also relied on uh, breaking the record for or getting close to the record for multi-hit games in a row. Um, and so offensively, he could contribute. He should get some playing time. And so that's worth um, something, most certainly. Uh, but, you know, I, the defense is really bad. And so where he ends up and, um, you know, what happens with Guriel, um, he's not a terrible reach right here because I do think that there's some upside. But I don't necessarily believe, you know, in the, the approach quite yet. Willie Adamas, ADP of 223, 605 plate appearances, 68 runs. 14 home runs, 62 RBI, 10 stolen bases with a 250 uh, batting average. That's good for a $6 valuation at a $7 cost. Oh yeah, Guriel was at a $1 valuation at a $7 cost, so losing you $6 based on the um, projection. You know, again though, if he if he gets to 600 plate appearances as opposed to the 440, he should be fine. Uh, Adamas. You know, I do like Adamus a lot. He looked pretty good um, in his rookie season. He improved as the season went along, which is really nice to see. He's still a really young guy. You know, the batting average I don't think will be too terrific, but I do think he has that speed home run uh, uh, combination going for him. He's going to be in a really nice raised lineup. Uh, so the counting stats could be okay. You know, so I think he's 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 fairly valued uh, going right here. So if you miss out on you know, Semyon, Simmons, and Polanco, uh, he might be a guy that you want to look at targeting. Marwin Gonzalez is up next, uh, 234 ADP. I've covered him in both the first base and second base previews. Uh, 549 plate appearances, 63 runs, 17 home runs, 66 RBIs, 6 stolen bases, 260 batting average. Good for $6 valuation in a $7 slot. Major question with him is, um, is playing time. You know, he signed with the Twins, and it's not exactly clear uh, where he's going to play. 
um, you know, at shortstop, they have Polanco at second base. They have Jonathan Scope at first base. Uh, they have uh, CJ Crone. And then at third base, they have Miguel Sano. So there isn't necessarily a place for him to play right now. Their outfield is also full. Uh, and so I'm fading him just because of the plate appearances. But if you're in like a draft and hold and the, and the, the ton of multi-position eligibility that he has is something that you're looking for, you can certainly do... Um, uh, worse in terms of multi-position eligibility, but I would be targeting as Drupal Cabrera over Marwin Gonzalez because the playing time looks a little bit more certain. He's going right after him at an ADP of 237, 528 plate appearances, 65 runs, 19 home runs, 67 RBI, two stolen bases with a 271 batting average. That's good for a $7 valuation going at a $6 cost. You know, one of the things that I think is a kind of an interesting approach um, you know, would be for me, there's a huge gap between the top pitchers and the, the bottom pitchers. And there's a whole lot of blah in between. And so what I'm probably going to do is going to be targeting a lot of late pitchers that I like and just kind of stockpiling them, um, in drafts towards the end. Um, and maybe not having, you know, maybe having two or, you know, maximum of three hitters, you know, in my seven player, uh, bench, and then just loading up on these kind of, uh, uh, low cost, higher ceiling uh, starting pitchers just to see how they start out the season. You know, and in that case, having a guy like uh, Astrubo Cabrera, who's playing every day but has that multi-position eligibility uh, going late in drafts is is really nice uh, because, you know, you can plug him in if anybody goes on the DL or, you know, if there's some bad platoons coming up. Uh, Cabrera is a guy that you would be able to stick in in that situation. So he's, he definitely has some added value for that reason. Uh, up next is Kike Hernandez, who I mentioned when I was talking about Chris Taylor. I like him more than Chris Taylor this year. Uh, 307 ADP. I also covered him in the second base preview. 414 plate appearances, 52 uh, runs, 16 home runs, 52 RBI, two stolen bases with a 250 or 249 batting average. It's good for a $0 valuation going at a $3 cost, but the plate appearances is the key here. Kike has obviously never been able to hold down a full-time job with the Dodgers, and it's hard to hold down a full-time job with the Dodgers. But I really like the improvements in plate discipline and contact rate and in fly ball percentage that he had last year, as well as hard hit rate. You know, he kind of put everything together. And so if he's given an opportunity or if Chris Taylor or somebody else struggles, I think he might be able to kind of hop in. Um, it's tough to take him going where he's at right now with kind of the uncertainty of playing time, but it might be with might be worth getting him with the shortstop second base and outfield eligibility as kind of another guy who you can plug in in a few places, at least at the beginning of the season, uh, to see how things go. Next up, you got Dansby Swanson going at an ADP of 377. Uh, 507 plate appearances, 53 runs, 12 home runs, 55 RBIs, 8 stolen bases with a 250-46 batting average. Really nothing to see here. It's a $1 value at a $1 cost. It's kind of blah. He's probably going to get a lot of plate appearances, but... You know, he's kind of blah, and I don't think he's the guy that everybody thinks he is when he goes on a hot streak. He's just, he's not a very good hitter, um, and that's unfortunate, but, you know, I'm not banking on on any type of improvement from Swanson. Orlando Arcia, another guy that folks had high hope for last year that really kind of crapped the bed. 516 plate appearances, 51 runs, 
10 home runs, 50 RBI, 11 stolen bases, and a 248 batting average for that aggregate pr- projection. He's going at a 379 ADP. It's $0 worth of value at a $1 cost, so he's losing you $1. Uh, Arcia is another guy. He had a hot streak at the end of 2017, which was largely driven by line drive rate, which has a ton of variance. Um, and he just doesn't make great contact. There's just there's not much to say about Arcia. He's going to be stuck, um, you know, as the number eight hitter in the Brewers lineup. Uh, I just don't think I don't just don't see any really redeeming qualities uh, with Arcia, unfortunately. Uh, one guy who I do have a little bit of hope for is Nick Ahmed uh, of the Diamondbacks, uh, going at ADP of 414, 530 plate appearances, 55 runs, 15 home runs, 58. RBI, six stolen bases with a 239 batting average. He was really interesting to me because he showed some really good skills towards the second half of last year where his plate uh, plate, uh, discipline was improving um, and he was hitting the ball hard and in the air a lot more. Um, And you saw that with the numbers that he was able to put up. Um, You know, he had, uh, I I believe it was in the 70s um, in terms of stolen bases. I will double check right now to make sure I'm giving you accurate. Yeah, he had seven, 70 runs, uh, or 61 runs, 70 RBI, uh, 16 home runs, five stolen bases with a 234 batting average. Um, now, you know, uh, his, um, his O-swing was bad uh, year over year, but the in-zone contact was actually good. His contact rate was uh, right around um, uh, league uh, average and his strikeout rate was below league average. And so I think there's a little bit of room there for that batting average to uh, improve slightly. But, you know, if he were to replicate that or, you know, he's a gold glove winning shortstop now, you know, if he's playing every day and he gets over 600 plate appearances, um, you know, then those numbers are, you know, 20 home runs and 70 runs and potentially 80 RBI. And, you know, and that, and that, and that can play in a middle infield position um, uh, for sure. So just something to think about uh, with uh, Ahmed. I do think that there's a little bit of, um, of something there based on the improvement in the skills that he saw in the second half. So uh, he's not a guy that I, that I hate, that I wouldn't be willing to take a flyer on. I've been targeting him in a lot of my 50-team uh, draft and holds as well. Uh, Brandon Crawford uh, is a value guy. Um, always seems to just fall back in drafts. Uh, relatively consistent performer, though. 600 plate appearances, 61 runs, 15 home runs, 66 RBI. Five stolen bases with a 255 batting average. Good for a $4 valuation at a 415 ADP, which is a $1 cost, getting you $3 worth of value. Again, in like a 50-team draft and hold as a backup shortstop, backup middle infielder, uh, he has some value there. Taking a look at the leftover uh, shortstops, um, you know, some of the guys, uh, Freddie Galvis, it'll be interesting to see if he you know, gets all of the all of the playing time at shortstop for uh, the Blue Jays. You know, it's obviously, I think, you know, a better situation in terms of ballpark than the Padres. Um, he's got some interesting things going on uh, with him. You know, he's definitely uh, makes a decent amount of contact. Uh, he's been hitting the ball in the air more. Um, and so there's at least something somewhat interesting with the 10 home run and seven stolen base uh, projection at 420 plate appearances. You know, if he does play every day and he gets up to 600, you know, you could be looking at uh, 15 home runs and 10 stolen bases, which isn't nothing. 
Uh, Didi Gregorius, hard to roster him unless you have really deep reserves or a DL. If you do have a DL, you know, it may be worth picking him up towards the end of drafts and then just stashing him. Uh, you know, I have a Yahoo league, for instance, where, you know, I'm stashing him, but he's probably not going to be back until what I've seen like August or July. And so, you know, even if you only have two DL spots, you're probably not going to be able to hold on to him for a full year. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., obviously, uh, you know, one of the top prospects in the game, probably the top prospect after Vlad Jr. from a fantasy perspective, uh, although Eloy and Victor Robles are really good, so maybe I'll take that back. Anyways, he's good. Uh, his projection is 305 plate appearances, uh, 35 runs, 10 home runs, 33 RBI, 8 stolen bases with a 237 batting average. I think the batting average is the major concern because of the high K rate that he's had. Um, in some of his minor league stops and and that he's projected to have but still if he were to play a full season you know and get 600 plate appearances you're looking at 70 20 70 16 you know and that and that certainly plays you know you're looking at essentially uh um uh, who am i thinking about uh i'm thinking about the guy the, the second baseman for uh uh, the White Sox, Yohan Moncada. You know, you're essentially looking at Yohan Moncada uh, as you know, but going much, much later, going at a ADP of you know, I think he's around uh, 400, 400 plus. Uh, JT Riddle is somewhat interesting in super deep leagues. Um, he had a really nice stretch towards the end of last year, uh, at least a really nice stretch for JT Riddle, uh, where his uh, plate discipline and his contact rate and then his fly ball and home, home run rates were all headed in the right direction. And so he may be, you know, a somewhat interesting guy in, you know, very, very deep leagues or AL only leagues. You may want to look at uh, at him. Troy Tulowitzki, important to monitor him with the Yankees. Obviously, if he's the starting shortstop, uh, there will be value there. Uh, Tim Beckham or Addison Russell, not really worth mentioning. Uh, Tim Beckham, uh, he's going to be the starting shortstop, I think, at least initially for the Mariners. He's got third base and shortstop uh, eligibility. He will be batting towards the back end of that lineup, most likely. Uh, So not the best situation in the world, but if you're just looking for a guy who's probably going to get plate appearances at the beginning of the season, um, he's a nice guy. And with the dual eligibility, he's a guy I've been targeting in 50-round, 50-team draft and holds. Um, Other than that, uh, you know, there's not a ton, uh, there's not a ton uh, left in shortstop after that. So, you know, that's been the shortstop position. Some really nice guys, you know, early on. I mean, you know, six guys going in the top 20 for shortstops. Uh, You have uh, eight guys, nine guys going uh, in the top 50 uh, for shortstops. Uh, so I think there's a lot of really good folks there. Guys that I'm avoiding are probably Francisco Lindor, uh, Javi Baez, Carlos Correa. Guys that I'm going to be targeting are Trey Turner, uh, Trevor Story, uh, Raul Mondesi a little bit, and Xander Bogarts. And then I really, really love the value later on in the draft if you miss out. Going for a Jorge Polanco, Marcus Semien, or Andrelton Simmons as your middle infielder or you know back-end shortstop. Or if you're looking for more power, Paul DeYoung uh, could be a really nice source of that as well as counting stats for you. So shortstop is a really interesting position. It's a position that I like a lot this year. And really, like I think of all the positions and all the kind of couplings or groups of players, I think that Polanco, Semien, Simmons, you know, uh, uh, threesome uh, right there going kind of 
you know, around between two pick 200 and 215, but really probably when drafts roll around, you know, between like 180 and 195 is just, I, I see a lot of value there and I love that that threesome there. And, and that's where I'm going to be getting my shortstop position from a lot if I miss out on some of those higher up guys like Trey Turner, Trevor Story, and Xander Bogarts. That is going to wrap us up for episode 62 of the Bat Flip Crazy podcast. The shortstop position, really strong up top, really strong towards the kind of back middle around pick 200, uh, but a lot of really interesting characters in there. I uh, really enjoyed doing the preview and really enjoying the shortstop position this year. I think it provides a lot of uh, flexibility in uh, constructing your team. So up next, we'll do the third base preview uh, this weekend, outfield preview, relief p- pitcher preview, and then starting pitcher preview. Uh, hope these are helping you out. Let me know if you have any questions or any feedback on the podcast. Always love to hear it. Uh, you can follow me on bat- on Twitter at batflipcrazy. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. There is so much good content out there. I hope you are enjoying it. Uh, Not just this podcast. I'm not talking about this podcast. I'm just saying uh, overall, there's just a ton of really great content being created out there. So kudos to everybody who is doing uh, that. So best of luck with that fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.